Welcome to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. Thanks for joining us today as we continue wrapping up our series on The End Times Prophecies. Here's Ray. Hi, I'm Ray Sturdivant. We're studying The End Times, and I'm here with my good friends John Lay and Danny Jacobs. Welcome, guys. Great to be here. We are... Since it is my studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, so we are on number 11, which is the wrath of God, which we talked about a little bit. Uh, we believe in our timing that this follows uh, the great tribulation. Resurrection and rapture have already occurred, and then God's wrath is now poured out on his enemies. And, you know, this, as we have said, should not be confused with the tribulation. We believe the tribulation is Satan's wrath, and then God's wrath doesn't happen until the seventh seal. We're going to really pick the uh, seals apart here uh, soon and just show how all of this fits together. But if you can separate out that the wrath of God doesn't happen until the very end, I think it will clear up some things. And so I just want to take a look at a few passages. Uh, John, if you'd read First Thessalonians 5. 5.9. Um, 5, 9, and 10. Mm -hmm. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. So, um, that pretty is definitive. a... Yeah, it's pretty definitive <laughs> that we, as the, as the body of Christ, are not destined for his wrath. Mm -hmm. So we, Which means that everyone else is. Yes, the enemies of God are destined for wrath. You know, it's, anyone not in Christ. Yes, and so if you read about the events, it's uh, really going to be a a tough time. I'm going to jump down in Revelation 16. It goes through uh, the bowls of wrath, and we're going to hit this a little harder uh, in a later study. So I'm not going to go through all of it. But I just did want to want to touch on when we get to the seventh bowl, which is in verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds of peals of thunder. And there was a great earthquake, such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty, the great city was split into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island fell away, and the mountains were not found. And huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each, came down from heaven upon men. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. That's, I don't want to be there. <laughs> That's huge. So, a hundred pounders, man. Can you imagine? Don't. No. You know, I had some baseball size that wreaked havoc on my truck. I had to get fixed. If a hundred pounder hit, I don't think I would have a truck left. You'd have to get out of the insurance business. <laughs> yeah, State Farm will not be in existence. They won't in the, be covering that. In the tribulation. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I love that. I, I mean, this is a little side thing, but I love that in actual insurance policies, they right. mention God. Yeah, acts of God. Except for in the acts of God. So yeah. if God starts wailing 100-pound ice balls at you, we're not going to do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, that's you're on your own there, buddy. That's... <laughs> well, uh, the next event is the Battle of Armageddon. 
Um, this is the final battle where Christ, together with, I believe, raptured and resurrected believers, wage war with the Antichrist and his armies. These armies uh, go against Christ, and he crushes them, fulfilling Genesis 3.14 and our prophecy in Daniel. And just uh, some of the places that that's mentioned, you know, is in Luke 17.37, Isaiah 10.27, Revelation 14, verses 14 through 20, Matthew 24, 28. Um, just several places where the Battle of Armageddon is mentioned. Um, just like Cy Robertson says, it's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, it is. It will be on, and I'm glad we won't be having to go through that. So It, it, it amazes me and frightens me in both, both to know that there is an end to his grace. Mm -hmm. At some point, it ends. Yes. His grace ends, and his wrath is poured out, and so there is a limit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If you're waiting for something to get right with God, just think about that. Yes. You know, and, and the only reason we can have, you know, jokes and, and lighthearted, uh, we're not by any means taking this any less serious. It's just right. the grace of God has given us such a peace mm -hmm. that we know we're not going through this, and mm -hmm. God, you know, gives us laughter. It's Absolutely. There's a joy that we have knowing that this is real. Uh, we're not making light of it. It is real. There's going to be intense suffering, but you are choosing to go through this suffering by your own free will. There is a way mm -hmm. out. Couldn't have said it better. There is a way out, and his, his name is Jesus. So the next event we want to look at is the millennial reign of Christ. And we're told throughout the Old Testament and New that Christ is going to set up a literal earthly kingdom, and it's going to last for a thousand years. It's going to be a time of unbelievable peace. Uh, people will live a very long life, and it's just going to be almost paradise on earth. The only thing preventing it is that man, the man... Man that is still here will still have a sin nature. And so it's, it's God's last event of showing man how through Christ ruling and reigning that there is a possibility of having peace on this earth. And then at the end, the earth is destroyed, new heavens, new earth, and we go into eternity. So this millennial reign is mentioned in several passages and right after the break, we're going to take a look at a few of them and continue our study. And if you have any questions about if this is piquing your interest and you have any thoughts, questions that you want answered, just email me at ray at miningthetruth.com. You've been listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturtevant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at miningthetruth.com. Also, we'd like to ask that you take a minute and prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. And if God has prompted you to do so, just go to MindingTheTruth.com and click Donate. Thanks again for listening. Now back to Ray. So, John, if you would read Daniel 7.27, we're talking about the millennial reign of Christ. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. So that's where we're going to leave the millennial reign. There are several passages that if you want to research that, it is throughout the Old 
Testament and mentioned in several in the New Testament. So next we're going to cover uh, number 14, which is Satan is released and leads a final rebellion. If you remember that Satan, uh, before the millennial reign, is thrown into the abyss, which mm -hmm. is like a demonic prison. And at the end of the thousand-year reign of Jesus, it talks about Satan being released, and he leads a final rebellion. And this confuses some people because it's the Gog-Magog war, but it's a second one. It's not the one from Ezekiel 28, and there are a lot of reasons why. I've studied it. I had a friend that challenged me to that he believed that they were the same, and mm -hmm. I, I don't want to go through it all now, but I'm absolutely 100% convinced they're not the same, and it actually, for me, reinforces the fact that Gog was just an ancient word, kind of like Antichrist. He was an evil ru ruler, and Magog is just his land. So this end times, beyond, you know, at the end of the millennium, this war, this battle, is Satan leading a final rebellion. John, if you'll read that passage. Yes, Revelation 20, verse 7 and following. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hmm. That sends a chill down my spine. <laughs> you know, at just a point here, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, how unfair God is to send mm -hmm. people to hell. And it's really, hell was never designed for people. Right. If you study scripture, it says that hell was designed for Satan and his demonic angels that followed him. Yeah. And so really all you're doing is God is giving you your wish. You refuse to serve God while you're here on earth and you have been wanting to serve Satan. And so he gives you that opportunity to be with Satan throughout all of eternity. So it's really, you're going to a place that was never designed for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're by your choice. Uh, you are just rejecting God. So our next event, number 15, is the destruction of the world. And that is found in 2 Peter 3.12. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. So this is at the, the end of the millennial reign. Once Satan is defeated and he's cast into hell forever, then God blows this whole thing up, the whole universe, the earth, everything is destroyed, and then we have a new heaven and a new earth, and that will be how we enter eternity. Um, and then our next event is number 16, which is the great white throne judgment. Now, this is different than the judgment seat of Christ that we mm -hmm. studied. So the judgment seat of Christ is the evaluation of the quality of the work that, of believers' life. Right. The great white throne judgment is at the end after the earth is destroyed and all of the dead are brought before God, all of the unbelieving are brought before God and their life is evaluated. And the books are open. And the books that are open are the books of their deeds and then the book of the, of the Lamb's 
The Lamb's Book of Life. Yes, the Lamb's Book of Life. And so basically, you know, the people who have relied on their own good deeds to get them into heaven is just not going to stack up. Not going to measure up. Not going to measure up. And so it sends a chill down my spine. This should, mm-hmm. this should absolutely motivate us to witness. If you think about you're going to have your day in court as an unbeliever and you're going to stand before God and you are going to, you are going to plead your case. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's mentioned throughout Scripture is that every knee will bow and every tongue confess Jesus. So when you rejected Jesus on this earth and thought you were good enough to stand before God, you're going to have your day in court. And I believe he'll give you all the time that it takes for you to plead your case. And in the end, you're going to, you're going to kneel before God and go, Jesus was God. I'm mm-hmm. a fool. Uh, that sends a chill down my spine. I don't even wish that on, you know, the most evil person on the earth. Uh, you know, I certainly want them to pay for their crimes here on earth. But, you know, it's one of the reasons I do prison ministry yeah. is mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to suffer eternally. And right. if, I can ha- if I can play a part uh, in God using me to talk to someone and get them to recognize who Jesus is, that's, Count it, me in. It's just so incredibly compelling because if you think about the <clears throat> the other side uh, with regards to Islam, that's exactly what they're expecting to have to do is mm-hmm. to stand before God and weigh it out. Yep, mm-hmm. and plead a case. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I mean, I can't even do living that your life. yeah, living your whole life to end up standing before the Almighty God of the universe and trying to convince Him that you were good enough. Mm. You know, and if you look, that's a great point. If you look at the passages where uh, there's passages in the Old Testament where Jesus appeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, right. boy, those people just fell on their face. I mean, they, they couldn't stand before him. Well, that's all the time that we have today. We will pick up the study next time. I'm Ray Sturdivant, Mining the Truth. Thanks for listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, email us right here at ray at miningthetruth.com. We welcome your comments and hope you'll join us next time for more of End Time Prophecies.